Welcome to the Ask a Club Fitter podcast. Answering your questions on all things golf equipment and club fitting. Here's your host, hoping to help you play better golf. He's a PGA professional, founder of Tour Fit Golf, and has worked with some of the world's best players. Tom Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome uh, to episode number eight. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, uh, welcome. We've got, uh, we're starting to get uh, a nice library of, of episodes uh, all recorded. So if this is your first time, uh, like I say, welcome. And uh, please feel free to go back, have a listen to some of the podcasts. And certainly, you know, I, I'd, I'd like you to know if you, if you are listening to this for the first time that we really, really encourage uh, all our listeners to, to interact, ask as many questions as possible. And, and typically, the content which I'm going to be putting out on a weekly basis is going to be based on the questions I get asked, whether that's via uh, direct messages, whether it's via WhatsApp, whether it's via some of the sessions that I that I actually deliver myself during the week. Um, so yeah, please please feel free to to interact, send us across your questions, and we'll certainly get them uh, get them answered and add them into the podcast. Uh, a bit of a shout out to uh, some of our listeners. Um, I've not really been diving into the analytics of uh, the podcast too much, uh, but over the weekend I was kind of having a look at how it's doing, and I'm really pleased with uh, with how it's going. And the one thing I was really shocked at is kind of <laughs> like where the listeners are coming from, and uh, we we've literally got listeners from all over the world. Uh, the biggest uh, listener base is in the UK. Uh, Fifty-eight percent of those listeners are coming from uh, from England, uh, which is great. Uh, we've got a small percentage from Wales, Scotland, and Ireland, uh, but we literally got guys uh, and girls, I'm sure, in uh, in the United States, Australia, Germany, Ireland, Singapore, Sweden, uh, Netherlands. So, uh, first of all, if you are listening, thank you very much for tuning in. Really appreciate uh, your attention. And uh, like I say, let, let us know where you're listening from. Uh, send us some questions. Uh, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to start a conversation with you guys. So, uh, on to today's podcast. Um, first and foremost, uh, it's taken me a while to get going this morning, and uh, I've, I've got a good coffee on the go. Anybody that that knows me, or even follows me on uh, on Instagram, will probably know I'm a bit of a coffee nerd. I've got, I've got a pretty awesome coffee this morning. So I've subscribed to some uh, some coffee pods, and they're from a store in Bath uh, in England uh, called Colonial and Smalls. Anybody who's got a, an espresso capsule machine, I would highly, highly recommend these capsules. I've tried loads and loads of capsules, and if I'm being honest, I've thought most of them have been garbage, uh, especially the, the Nespresso ones. I don't find there's a big difference between each one. But uh, these capsules from uh, from Kelowna and Smalls are, are exceptionally good. There's a, there's a big difference in taste uh, between uh, each of each of the capsules. They got four different options, and they do change, uh, you know, where they come from and uh, the tasting notes on them on a regular basis. So it's uh, it's always nice to open those on a monthly basis. But this one at the moment is abs- is an absolute cracker. So if you hear me uh, if you hear me sipping on some coffee, um, that's the reason why. So today's topics, uh, I thought I'd do a, a bit of a deep dive on uh, fitting juniors. It's a topic that I'm really, really passionate about, uh, having played as a junior myself. 
um, is something I, I really want to talk a lot about today and talk about some of the challenges uh, around fitting juniors or, and th- this will apply also to, to anybody who, who's making swing changes as well or on a journey of improvement um, you know a, a lot of the, uh, the things that we talk about today will be very relevant for those people so um, hopefully this this will be uh, this will be valuable to, to a lot of golfers we're going to talk about the new AVX golf ball uh, which is uh, which has just come out and uh, also I'm going to talk uh, a little bit about spin with the driver because I got a question last week uh, from uh, one of my clients uh, about spin rate on a driver. So I, w- I want to give a little bit of a uh, an overview on what is a good spin rate uh, for players with the driver. So on to fitting junior golfers. Now, like I said, I'm, I'm quite passionate about this topic in particular. One of the reasons being is... Uh, it feels like it wasn't too long ago that I was a junior. Although when I actually think about it, it was a really long time ago, <laughs> which breaks my heart. But um, for me growing up, I kind of, I grew up uh, in uh, a little valley in South Wales. And t- typically it's, um, it's a working class valley and, you know, it's not it's not necessarily uh, renowned for uh, having the most uh, wealthiest of people there. And I grew up in I wouldn't say uh, poverty <laughs> by no stretch of the imagination, uh, but we certainly wasn't a wealthy family. And I didn't start playing golf until I was fourteen, and I certainly didn't have uh, you know any chance of having new clubs on a regular basis. Um, but saying that, you know, my parents would have given me every single thing um, that they had, uh, and I'm extremely, extremely grateful for everything they gave me um, and the opportunities they gave me to play golf because it's the reason why I'm on this podcast now. Um, but you know that that kind of brought its own uh, its own challenges in a way. I didn't really realize it at the time, and you know things have advanced a heck of a lot now in terms of golf equipment and the the opportunities to change the equipment even via you know the the changeable weights the the movable sleeves um you know th- th- things really have mo- moved on uh, tr- tremendously but i guess what i'm trying to get at here is um when when junior golfers come to me i kind of look at it from the point of view that we want to try and get the best possible performance with spending the least amount of money and you know that 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 is something which uh, for fitters who uh, are probably listening to this um you know they they would think well you know we need to sell and that that that's fine you do need to sell golf clubs however when it comes to junior golfers they're changing on such a regular basis that you know, if you were just to fit them in the short term and just fit them for what you see right right there and then, um, you're probably going to be in a situation where they need to be refitted uh, in, a, in a month or so um, or six months or, or even a couple of times a year because that, that, that's really how, how often juniors are changing. So from my standpoint, I always look at it from, from that way. Uh, it often means that... Um, parents walk out a lot happier than juniors because sometimes junior golfers they come in with uh you know these ideas that they want the latest product and they'd love to have a brand new head cover and 
you know, go and putt with a Scotty Cameron putter and the latest Callaway driver, whatever it is. And, you know, some, sometimes it's just not necessary. Uh, it's not necessary sometimes from a performance perspective. Uh, but also sometimes it's not... Uh, it's not really needed from a timing perspective as well, because, you know, depending on the time of season, depending on how old the juniors are, are we expecting any, uh, you know, any big growth spurts? Um, are they working on anything, uh, you, you know, big in their swing at the moment with their golf coach? You know, all of those things come into, come into play and come into a, you know, an overall decision on does this junior golfer need new clubs or need adjustments? So, Often, when parents come to me, because obviously parents are bringing the juniors along, um, there will often be a, a budget, and uh, that budget will need to uh, last for a certain amount of pe- uh, certain amount of time. So, as an example, we might have I might have a, a junior that comes in, and they'll say, "Right, we've got a four hundred pound budget. We need a driver, and um, it needs to last us two years." Fine. You know, that's that's kind of the situation we're in and that's what we work with. Other parents come in and there's no budget and it doesn't need to last. Uh, it needs to last as long as it needs to last. Um, which which for me growing up was um, was was not the case. Um, and and sometimes I think because of the environment that, you know, you end up buying golf clubs and getting fitted for golf clubs that, you know, that's sometimes something which parents think is is necessary to, to you know, every time a club needs to be changed um, or they, uh, in inverted commas, grow out of the clubs, you know, they just need new products. And, you know, I agree sometimes that is the case, but often it's, it's really, really not. And I'm going to go into a, a couple of reasons why, um, why, why that is. So... First and foremost, I think from a fitting perspective, I try and make every golf club that I fit last as long as possible. And when it comes to junior golfers, like I've already alluded to, that you need to assess kind of where they are in physical development, how old they are, whether they've started a bit of a growth spurt, um, you know, whether they've been, uh, you know, the same size and and, and weight for for quite a long time, which which is often the case. Um, then also the type of coaching they're having, who are they having coaching off, how often they're having coaching. And this is kind of where, um, this is a, almost a podcast and a topic on its own. And I'd love to hear from, from the listeners to see if they'd like to maybe to get me to get a guest on. Because there's a big difference between, you know, having regular coaching uh, off, off a coach who's got a, a good plan of where they want to go with that player and they, they're chipping away at that plan, almost like a development plan on a, a weekly or bi-weekly or monthly basis compared to somebody who's just having uh, the odd lesson and having the odd lesson here or there with a coach is not really having coaching. Um, that, that's just going to somebody to, that, that you're trying to get help from. Um, and there's a big, there's a big difference in kind of how I would deal with those two players then um, because the player who's having uh, regular coaching and is on a bit of a development plan, you know, I would need to really understand where that coach is trying to take that player. So when I'm looking at trackman data and I'm looking at delivery data, that we're really just trying to understand, right, you, here they are right now. This is what we're seeing right in front of us in this moment in time. However, where could it be 
in six months? Where could it be in 12 months? Where could it be in two years? And how is that going to influence the decision that I make in here uh, from an equipment standpoint? Because let's be quite frank about it. Equipment is really not cheap. You know, you, you, you buy any golf club these days, whether it's a wedge, whether it's a putter, a driver, you know, a set of irons. It's, it's a very, very big investment. Um, it's, it's, not, uh, it's, it's not cheap whatsoever. It's cheap compared to some sports. Um, but, but certainly, you know, it, it, it's not a cheap exercise to do it. So really understanding where that player is going is super important. If they're just having the odd lesson, here and there, uh, and I'm talking maybe you know two or three lessons a year, um, the chances are they've not got a real solid development plan. And those changes and the development that they are making from a technical perspective is probably not going to be quite as much as somebody who's, who's got a development plan, who's seeing a coach, is really on the ball in terms of where they want to go. Um, so that is really important for me. And often the questions that I ask at the start of the session... Uh, will be the most important to the outcome and the, the the better the information that I get and certainly the better the questions I ask as well. You know, that will very much determine kind of uh, how good that outcome is and how long those golf clubs would last. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to, um, uh, to say exactly what you need because it is it is different for, for every single player but certainly asking a lot of questions really understanding where they go in and trying to understand you know any um any physical issues uh, anything there uh, any physical development that they're kind of going through at the moment um and and that again is is almost a topic on its own because you know you, you try uh, dealing with a junior who's um right in the middle of a growth spurt and uh, you know they've got coordination issues I mean that is an absolute uh, when it comes to fitting anyway it's an absolute nightmare situation because you know and th- this is very very common juniors you know who are going through puberty going through a big growth spurt you know their their bones typically will be growing and developing faster than um, faster than their muscles and it can often cause you know serious imbalances and lots of coordination issues and you could put any club in their hands and, you know, they'll just find it difficult to strike the golf ball. And they can go through these little phases of, of not striking the golf ball very well and not playing very well. And it's it's just pure physiology, you know, and that, that it's just down to that point in time of where they are in life. And um, the good news is, is it doesn't last very long. Um, and certainly they always come out the back end of it. But from a fitting perspective, it can be uh, extremely difficult to, to deal with. Um, but certainly understanding that appreciating that and maybe scheduling you know uh, another checkup you know in a couple of months time um you know just to make sure that everything is 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 where we need it to be the on, on the flip side of that what i would like to say now is that you know often juniors don't need new golf clubs and what i really mean by this right is there's so many other options when it comes to uh, enhancing a player's equipment rather than literally getting a brand new fresh golf club or golf clubs. So as an example, you know, if you're dealing with a junior golfer who's uh, making changes technically, they're, they're changing physically, um, emotionally, they're probably changing at the same time as well. 
you know, there's there's so many things from a, a club perspective um, that you can do. So uh, as an example, change your loft and lies. That has a huge, huge, huge effect on ball flight. Um, and it's so quick and easy to do. It's, it's, it's massive. It's the one thing that dictates where the golf ball goes is where the face is pointing. And I mean, you know, where it's pointing vertically and horizontally. So we're talking about from a horizontal perspective, the face angle number, and then from a vertical perspective, uh, what the dynamic loft is. But, you know, that that's something which is often kind of um, is skipped over sometimes in fit-ins because, you know, bottom line to it is there's a lot of facilities have not got the opportunity and the option of changing loft and lies and making adjustments so that's first and foremost there any changes to posture any changes to height any changes to setup first thing we need to look at is is loft and lies second thing grip thickness so players uh, junior golfers they are developing in size typically the hands will be getting um you know bigger and you know that's something which which sometimes needs to change as well so again you know, it doesn't mean that you have to have new grips. It could be if the grips are in really good condition, get somebody to take the grips off, put some extra layers underneath and put the grips back on. Um, not a difficult thing to do, providing you've got the facilities. From uh, the, the other thing is, you know, you can, you can really start to utilize um, shaft changes. So as an example, if, you're, if you've got a set of, uh, a golfer who's got a set of irons, Typically, those irons are not going to get worn out anywhere near as quickly as a set of wedges, as an example. So if you've got a player who's got a set of irons, typically, I would say those heads, providing the heads are fairly suitable. And that's another thing which a fitter has got to kind of take into account as well, is these iron heads are going to last a long time uh, from a condition perspective and from a performance perspective. Um, But if the heads are really good, you know, the opportunity to change the shafts and to um, to put a new set of shafts in there. A new set of shafts, you know, sometimes is not cheap, but it's a lot cheaper than uh, buying a new set of golf clubs. And, you know, you if you can get away with changing a, sh- a set of shafts, you know, once every 18 months and making those, those iron heads last, you know, two, three, even four seasons... You know, you'll certainly get a lot more value for money out of a shaft change than you will uh, out of changing uh, the irons once every uh, once every three uh, once every year. Sorry, um, so that's also uh, an option as well. The other option, which a lot of players don't consider uh, and a lot of fitters wouldn't consider as well, is golf ball change. Now, th- this is an absolute beauty to keep in your top pocket, and it's something which, when I see golfers. It's one of the first things I'll ask is what golf ball do you use? Why do you use it? Uh, how did you come to that decision? And and just making sure that you're using the golf ball to really enhance that player's performance at that point in time. Now, the truth of it is, is you know, when it comes to a golf ball, you've got to have golf balls to play. Often they're not bought in huge quantities, so they might be bought in sleeves or dozens, which means that you will be replacing these golf balls on a regular basis. So ultimately, you've got a choice of whether you want to use you know, a softer, lower launching, uh, lower spinning golf ball, or whether you want to buy perhaps a firmer, higher launching, higher spinning golf ball. And those, those two things there can really enhance performance. So understanding where that player is. Have they made any swing changes? Have they made any changes to dynamic loft? Has there been any speed changes? Maybe from a physical perspective, they're on a gym program. They've grown a couple of inches. Using that golf ball to enhance 
the ball flight immediately is a really, really good tool. So when you actually come down to it and you look at all of those options, you've got loft and lie, you've got grip thickness, you've got uh, the shaft changes. So, and when it comes to shaft changes, you're talking about length, you're talking about weight, you're talking about flex, uh, you're talking about the shaft type, whether it's graphite or steel or the material rather. Um, you know, you add golf ball into that and there's a huge, huge, huge array of options for you to make changes which don't necessarily cost the earth. Certainly, they don't cost anywhere near as much as, uh, you know, changing the golf clubs. You know, you could literally have a player walking out of your studio or um, I certainly get players walking out to the studio with a very, very different ball flight um, with hardly any changes to or what seems on the surface anyway, you know, hardly any changes to... Um, uh, to their equipment but you might have changed loft and lie you might have adjusted a couple of settings on the woods um perhaps you've taken the grips off and uh, added a couple of layers under the grips and then made a golf ball change and all of a sudden you know they're hitting it another you know five to ten feet higher in the air the land angle is better they're stopping the ball uh, quicker on the greens and they've got better opportunities to convert for birdies so you know Really thinking outside the box from a fitting perspective is really important. Uh, often this is music to uh, parents' ears as well. You know, it's kind of the information that they want to hear. Is they don't have to spend a huge amount of money, um, you know, to, to get good performance. However, the caveat to this and um, the flip side is that what you really need to do if you're a junior golfer or you're a parent who's got a junior golfer who's, um, you know, got a little bit of talent and maybe in some form of, you know, coaching squad at a young age, what you need to do is you need to schedule an appointment with a club fitter on a regular basis. And I would say maybe two to three times a season, um, certainly at the, the end of the season, certainly at the start of the season, really speak to them about a plan when it comes to equipment as well. So kind of what I mean by that is, you know, when do we need the clubs in the bag? How long are the clubs going to take to come in? It's a big, big issue at the moment. You know, if clubs are taking five, six, eight weeks sometimes, sometimes longer to come in, you know, are we giving ourselves enough time to order these golf clubs? So when it comes to, you know, the first tournament of the season or probably the most important tournament of the season, which might be the, you know, the start of the year, you know, are my clubs and my equipment as good as it possibly can be? And and taking all of that into account there, I really feel like, um, you know, that would be, really really good advice to junior golfers or parents of junior golfers to make sure that the equipment is um is not so much of a variable as i see on a regular basis um you know juniors work so hard they play so much they go for lessons they'll go to the gym they'll be on gym programs and you know even even eating um you know, really good, nutritious, healthy meals in order to make sure that their focus is really good on the golf course. But yet equipment is one of those things which, you know, it can make an instant change. Um, and often, you know, the, equi- the equipment is not very good, um, you know, for a, a whole host of different reasons. So, you know, if you're in regular contact with a club fitter, superb keep on doing that you know schedule a couple a couple of checkups a year um and, and almost just get used to you know going to see a club fitter and almost not expecting to um to, to buy anything and if you if you find a really good club fitter who's um 
who's honest and has got a lot of integrity and has got really good morals when it comes to you know just making sure that his performance first um you will be in very 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 good hands if you're a parent listening to this podcast if you are a parent and you found that very useful please feel free um you know to recommend uh, this this episode uh, to other parents if you have questions around equipment uh, please don't be afraid to uh, to get in touch. Uh, if you're uh, you're not local, like I say, we've got people and uh, listeners from from all over the world. Um, you know, please please let me know. And you know, I'm not saying I know every single fitter, but you know, I have uh, have been around a little bit, and I could certainly look into and uh, potentially help you. Uh, you know, choose a good club fitter depending on where you are. So on to the new AVX golf ball. Now we had a call with uh, with Titleist last week where we were learning about some of the new golf balls that's come out. They've got three new golf balls. They've got a new true field ball, a new velocity golf ball, and a new AVX golf ball. Now, from my perspective, I'll be really honest. The only one I wanted to know about was the AVX. Pretty much is because you know I do use this golf ball from a fitting perspective and it's something that I will recommend to some golfers uh, it's a golf ball that really doesn't sell very well and doesn't get that much traction um you know from from a marketing perspective and you don't see it talked about a lot uh you know in in YouTube videos and uh you know generally in social media but I can assure you it's a really really good tool to use from a fitting standpoint it's a, it's a great golf ball and I, I've converted loads and loads of golfers into this AVX golf ball. Um, so first and foremost, let's talk about kind of why potentially you would use an AVX golf ball if you're a golfer. Now, typically the, the AVX golf ball has been uh, on the lower end of the premium range. And what I mean by the lower end is I mean lower launching and lower spinning. This is a premium golf ball, okay? It's the same price as a Pro V1. It's the same price as Pro V1X. It's the same price as Pro V1X left dash. It's a premium golf ball, which which means the materials, the cover system, you know, they are all made from premium, premium materials. So just because it's not got a Pro V1 on it, it does not mean that it's not a good golf ball. It is a fantastic golf ball. If you're somebody that spins the golf ball too much, if you're somebody that hits the golf ball really high, and that causes you a lot of problems, uh, you know, going into the green, I would seriously, seriously recommend you try in this golf ball. It It's very, very nice from a feel perspective. It feels very, very soft. The downside to it, I guess, would be that it doesn't spin massively around the greens. Um, but certainly going into the greens and with mid to long irons, you will definitely see a difference in spin rate and a difference in launch angle with this golf ball. It's superb if you if you play uh, in uh, in windy conditions, in, in link style golf courses, uh, and really want to keep that golf ball down. It's worth a test. I would definitely recommend if you are one of those golfers always struggling with hitting the ball high, go and buy a sleeve, go and try them and, and see what you think. Um and certainly let me know what you think as well. So the changes they've made to this new golf ball uh, are actually really exciting. 
So typically, like I mentioned earlier, you know, the challenges with this golf ball is the fact that, yes, you might gain going into the green because you're going to launch it lower and spin it a little bit less. But certainly when it comes to your chip shots and those smaller pitch shots around the green, there is definitely a lack of spin on those kind of shots, which for most golfers, and I'm talking, you know, golfers, any golfer really whose skill level is uh, is not brilliant around the greens, you know, you probably need spin. Uh, you probably need a lot more control. And, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, one of the big misconceptions around golf ball, and I'm going off tangent here a little bit, but um, I'll, I'll read myself in in a second. But one of the big, biggest misconceptions is, is around kind of, how you've got to swing the club at a certain speed to use a certain golf ball. And if you think about it, the vast majority of the shots that you play on the golf course uh, every time you go and play um, are in and around the, the greens. The, you know, you, you think about the amount of putt that you hit, the amount of chip shots, the amount of pitch shots. They would far outweigh the amount of shots that you actually hit um, from the fairway and the tee. So when you think about that, you know, and you think about, as an example, a 50-yard pitch. For myself hitting a 50-yard pitch or somebody uh, who's just started playing hitting a 50-yard pitch or a junior hitting a 50-yard pitch, a lady hitting a 50-yard pitch or even Rory McIlroy hitting a 50-yard pitch, typically we'll all be swinging the club around about the same speed for that kind of distance. Um, so you think about the amount of shot that you would use from that kind of distance and you know, the type of requirements that you need from a golf ball, your requirements would be the same as, you know, uh, somebody who can swing the golf club um, a lot faster. So I always say to golfers that if your short game is not very good, then you need to be using a Pro V1 or Pro V1X, ideally a Pro V1X because it's the one that spins a lot more around the greens. The difficult decision always comes around price and comes around, you know, how many golf balls are you going to lose and, you know, can you warrant paying £45 a dozen for, for some golf balls which are going to help you chip and putt a little bit better when you might walk off and you might have lost six or nine golf balls. And that is without question, you know, a very fair um uh, consideration when it comes to golf ball but if we're just looking at it from a performance perspective uh, we all need to be using a premium premium golf ball uh, which is going to give us the most spin control uh, and feel around the greens now the changes they've made in the new avx golf ball i think are fantastic so first and foremost there's a new dimple pattern uh, there's actually uh, four i think four more dimples on the golf ball uh, let me just check that Four fewer dimples got, uh, on the golf ball. I knew I was wrong there. And that's why I checked it. So there's four less golf balls on the dimple. Uh, four less dimples on the golf ball. My God, I need to have another sip of coffee here. Hang on. Okay, that's better. Um, so four fewer golf ball uh, dimples on the golf ball. My gosh, uh, I need to get my teeth here. What does that actually mean uh, for you as a golfer? So when it comes to dimples, what I always kind of describe these as, uh, and I hope you can kind of, uh, you can picture this. So these little dimples on the golf balls, I, I almost describe as like uh, mini parachutes. Okay, so th they, they are there to pretty much capture the air and help keep the golf ball in the air for as long as possible. If there's no dimples on the golf ball, that golf ball ain't staying in the air for very long at all. Um, 
so dimple pattern is huge when it comes to aerodynamics and huge when it comes to controlling uh, peak height and launch angle as well so if you think about it right the the less dimples you have on a golf ball the bigger the dimples are the bigger the dimples are the more air they can capture in amongst those dimples and chances are the ball is going to stay in the air for a lot longer so when it comes to this avx golf ball what they've really tried to do is first and foremost with this new dimple pattern is just try and get that golf ball a little bit higher in the air with your longer clubs you're probably not going to see much of a difference around the green with this dimple pattern. Um, it's not going to change the amount that golf ball is going to spin purely from the dimple pattern itself. Okay, So that dimple pattern is all down to aerodynamics. It's to help you keep that golf ball in the air. And those changes that they've made uh, are going to help you do that, which, which, is, which is brilliant, which is really, really good. The second thing they've changed is they've actually changed uh, the cover. So the cover now is almost exactly the same as the cover on a Pro V1, Pro V1X. Um, it sits over a very hard casing layer. And typically when you put soft over hard, and I'm talking about, if you just think of the, the first two layers of the golf ball, the first one being the cover, and then the second one being the casing. If the casing is really hard and the cover is really soft, then essentially what you're going to be doing is you're going to be increasing friction. And when you increase friction uh, at that point when that club meets the golf ball, essentially you're going to get more spin. So what's underneath the cover is actually really, really important. And um, like I say, a nice firm casing under a really soft cover is going to give you really nice feel and um, a little bit more spin perhaps than, than what we had in the past with the AVX golf ball. There's also a softer core. Uh, excuse me so the core now is uh, is softer than what it was before uh, apparently the outer edges of the core are a lot firmer so what it means again is those shorter shots with less speed because the more you compress a golf ball the more you're actually gonna gonna almost activate uh, the, the the center of the golf ball so the more speed you put into the golf ball the more you compress it the more the middle of that core um, gets activated so the outer edges of that core for them being firmer it essentially means that you're going to increase friction so again that's another thing which on your shorter shots into the green which is going to allow you to get more spin like I said already the core and the middle of the core is still very, very soft. So what that means is when you apply a lot of speed to that golf ball and you get onto that soft core, that golf ball is not going to spin uh, very much at all. And um, it's really going to feel quite soft as well. But so you think about it now from uh, a core perspective, what they're trying to do is really try and change the way in which that core reacts for different speeds. Which, which is good. So the longer the longer shots, you're going to get less spin. The shorter shots, you're going to get more spin. You've got a dimple pattern, which is going to try and keep that golf ball in the air a little bit more and be a little bit more aerodynamic. And also, uh, you've got that firm case in there, which is really going to enhance the spin and the friction around the green. So bottom line to it is you've got a golf ball, which was low launching, low spinning, very soft. You've now got a golf ball in comparison to that, which spins a little bit more uh, around the greens and certainly stays in the air for a little bit longer uh, with your longer shot. So ultimately it's going to be 
probably a tiny bit longer and spin a little bit more around the green. So for anybody who's used AVX golf ball in the past, uh, this would be a very, very positive change for you because you're probably not going to see a huge amount of difference in launch spin and performance uh, in your longer clubs. You probably will see that ball hanging higher in the air a tiny bit, but that's purely down to aerodynamics and dimple pattern, not necessarily spin. Uh, and you're going to get a little bit more spin around the green. So awesome changes by Titleist. Uh, I think that this moves that golf ball almost a little bit closer to the Pro V1 and probably a little bit closer to that Pro V1 left dot, which uh, we talked about in one of the previous episodes. So big kudos to Titleist for that. Um and I'm certainly excited to uh, to see some results with that and, and to get some feedback uh, from a lot of clients that I've been fitting uh, with that golf ball. If you've tried that golf ball or you do try that golf ball in the future, I would love to hear uh, back from you. Let me know what you think. Let me know. Uh, yeah, let me know how it performs. So last and not least, I'm going to just touch very quickly on a question I got asked uh, about driver spin. And essentially, somebody just said to me that, you know, what is the best spin for a driver? And there's a little bit of uh, an old misconception, uh, which still lingers a little bit now uh, with a lot of golfers. Maybe not so much for for fitters, but, uh, you know, you would be surprised. But a lot of people think that the ideal launch angle is between 12 and 13 degrees and the optimal spin rate is uh, around two and a half thousand with a driver. Now, for some golfers, that may well be the case. But for everybody else, it's probably not the case. And I'm going to explain uh, a couple of the reasons why uh, that, that may not be the case. Okay, so there's there's a couple of considerations when it comes to spin and launch, which you really need to understand. And they're things that I would look at straight away when it comes to a... Um, you know, a player's optimal spin rate with a driver. First and foremost, I don't think that you should ever look at spin as an isolated number. You know, I think you should always look at spin as a spin window and um, where you'd want to sit uh, in that window as well. So as an example, let's just say my spin rate window should be between 2,200 and 2,600 and I'm a fader of the golf ball, and my miss is to overfade the golf ball rather than um, perhaps pull it left or, or turn it over or double cross. Now, it'd be much more beneficial for me as a golfer to stay on the bottom end of that window, so staying around 2,200 on a really good shot, knowing that if I do overfade it or hit it a little bit more to the right, that I'm still I'm going to move up that window, still in that window, and I've got 400 revolutions to play with there and still be somewhere near optimal. So that's the first thing I would say, right? Is that, it, that, that you shouldn't look at spin as a number. You should look at it as a spin window and where you want to be from, uh, you know, where do you want to sit in that window? Do you want to sit at the top end of it? Do you want to sit at the bottom end of it? Super important and very, very different for golfers, especially golfers who fade it, draw it, hit it high, hit it low. Second thing is, you know, what does that window need to be? Well, the bottom line to this is that if you're a golfer that has got a lot of speed, 
you probably need less spin. If you're a golfer that's got less speed, you probably need more spin. If we change that parameter from club speed or even ball speed, same thing when it comes to spin, really. Bottom line to it is ball speed is is the one that we'd really want to optimize the spin rate to. But if we flip that to attack angle, and attack angle is going to influence the launch angle quite considerably, the lower your launch angle or the lower your attack angle, the more spin you need and the higher your attack angle or the more shallower your attack angle is and the higher you launch it, the less spin you need. So when you look at those two parameters, attack angle, club speed, you can really start to get an idea for, you know, why somebody who's got 120 mile an hour club speed might need 2,800 revolution to spin. Somebody who hits down on it quite a lot and launches it quite low. Uh, as an example, Sergio Garcia, he can get you know up to 120 and can hit down on it four or five degrees uh, with a driver. He would definitely need a little bit more spin because if he launches it, uh, let's say seven, eight degrees with a driver and spins it at 1,800, that golf ball is not going to stay in the air very long and his carry distance is going to be so bad uh, that he's not going to hit the ball anywhere near as far as what he can. So, you know, having a little bit more spin and uh, that spin rate helping that golf ball stay in the air for a little bit longer is really going to be advantageous to that kind of player. Um, you, you could take that example and uh, and you could you could take that to a player who's maybe got 70 mile an hour club speed and, you know, perhaps hits up on it a couple of degrees. Perhaps they might need 2,800, 3,000 revolution to spin just to make sure that golf ball stays in the air for a little bit longer because they've not got the speed there, which, um, you know, will will carry that golf ball via momentum through, through the air. I almost want to start talking a little bit about the Magnus effect here, but I'm not sure that I'll be able to get this across via audio. So maybe I'll do a little uh, a little presentation on that. But the Magnus effect is is really you know what what we're considering and what we're trying to change here when we're looking at changing speed and or launch and and spin. And the Magnus effect is is really what keeps a plane in the air. You know, it's the um, the speed the plane needs to go. It's uh, the angle that it needs to take off at. Um, and there's always a threshold there for uh, the weight of the plane, the size of the wings, the speed that the, uh, the, the plane needs to travel at. And it's exactly the same when it comes to, uh, to golf balls. The reason why golf ball stays in the air is because of the Magnus effect. And what we're really trying to do is we're trying to just optimize uh, the Magnus effect to make sure that golf ball doesn't go too high and doesn't go too low, which means that you're going to get the best possible launch angle, the best possible spin rate, which means you're going to get the best possible distance with the driver. For an iron, it's a little bit different because you're not always looking to optimize uh, distance. You're looking to optimize maybe land angle a little bit more which means that sometimes uh, distance can be uh, compromised based on the speed that you're actually uh, you know getting out to the golf ball but um, but yeah the tech the technical um, and uh, I guess from a physics perspective what we're trying to manipulate is the Magnus effect uh, when it comes to spin rate for a lot of people when I'm talking about Magnus effect they're just gonna think what the hell are you talking about um, uh, 
But that's really what uh, what we're trying to influence. So the takeaway from that is there's no real uh, optimal spin rate um, unless you know what your club speed is, what your attack angle is. It's very difficult to understand, you know, what that spin window is. And once you've identified what that spin window is and where that could change and how it could change over the next month, year, two years, whatever it is, um, that's really what you want to be fitted for and where you want to try and keep your spin rate within that window. So I hope that helps. Um, Just to add on one more thing to this is when you look at it from a tour perspective, because it's always good to relate this to tour players because, you know, we all watch them on a weekly basis. I'd love to watch a little bit more golf for the moment, but that's not possible. Um, you know, uh, the the range of spin rates on tour literally will be from 17, 1800 right the way through to 2800. And, you know, if we've got the best players in the world who are trying to optimize, you know, their, their spin rates um, to those kind of numbers, it can, you can just see that, you know, the... I deal with with players who've got a much wider array of attack angles and speeds than perhaps what I would have seen when I was working on tour a couple of years ago. Um, So that number sometimes need to be wider. Um, I fitted players into spin rates, which, you know, sometimes are over 3000, which going back 10, 15 years ago, you know, you would have thought that that would have been, um, you know, a terrible, terrible number to fit somebody into. It's way too much spin, but... We now know that, you know, that's the way to optimize distance for a lot of people because we can measure it, we can track it. And, um, you know, we've, we've certainly got a lot, a lot more systems and technology now to, to, to back up these decisions, which is fantastic from a consumer perspective. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We've bounced around a little bit on some of the topics. Uh, we've gone from junior fit into golf ball to spin rate with drivers Um but that's really what I want to do in uh, in these episodes is change it up, talk about a few different topics, answer questions from you guys. And like I always say, if you've ever got any questions, um, there's, there's never a stupid question, um, please send it across to us. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, the handle is torfitgolf 59 Send us a direct message. Uh, you can send us an email uh, or you can even... Um, send us a WhatsApp. If you go on our website, it's torfitgolf.co.uk. You'll see a little WhatsApp button there and you can send us an email. Uh, Send us a WhatsApp. Hope you all have a great week and uh, I look forward to coming back to you next week with another episode. Thanks very much.